Yes, happy Mother's Day, church. We're glad you joined in with us. And you know, the reason that video is so funny is because it's so real <laughs> right now. So uh, I hope that one of the gifts you're giving to your mom today is some alone time, that uh, you're giving her some time away from kids and everything that's going on just to, just to be at peace, rest, maybe take a nap, read a book, I don't know, relax. Uh, so that's a great gift. Also, I want to remind you, our First Baptist logo mugs, also another great gift for moms. There you go. All right, shameless plug. Okay. Uh, no, thanks for joining us today. I know, again, just kind of we're in this rhythm of online church, and just to, it's cool to see the folks I was watching earlier, people jumping on Facebook, on our website, joining us. Um, thank you for doing that and continue to do that. We're so grateful that you're here. And just I know one of the questions that people have been asking is, when are we going to have church on campus again? And that's a great question. And just to let you know, uh, we've targeted June the 28th uh, to be our first Sunday back, uh, relaunch, restart, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's going to be a celebration Sunday. We want to pull out all the stops we expect. We're actually kind of referring to it as Easter 2, right? So just the same experience we have at Easter with packed rooms and celebration, excitement, families coming together. That's what we expect. That's one of the reasons that we're kind of waiting till June the 28th. Also because of just the the restrictions or requirements or suggestions about how many people in a room until it gets to 75% capacity doesn't really make sense for us. I know you probably know some churches that have opened. They opened last week. Some are opening this Sunday. And if it's smaller churches, that's a little easier to manage. But a church our size is really difficult. We didn't want it to feel sterile or mechanical, lining people in, lining people out, not touching, not hugging, not sharing, uh, I don't know, sharing whatever, germs with each other. So uh, we want to kind of wait until things kind of seem to be like they're going on a normal pattern. But the other thing is more vision related. One of the things we've been talking about for the last three and a half years is the church is not the building. We as First Burleson thrive most when we're out in the community. One of our value statements to make Burleson a better place to live for everybody. Well, that doesn't happen just here in this building. It's not the expectation that we think that people are just going to come here and show up. We know we have to go out to the streets. And for the last eight weeks or whatever it's been, we've been forced to be out in our neighborhoods, out in our community as the church. Again, church is not the building. We're grateful for the building, but this is not it. We are the church. And so honestly, we're kind of excited about what's going on, what you guys are doing. I know people are gathering together, still safely distanced from one another. Life groups in people's yards or fields or parking lots are coming together to see one another and doing church together there. That's a beautiful sight. It's a beautiful scene of what church is to be about, taking it to the streets. And so we want to continue to do that. Even once we get to get back together, we want to continue taking the gospel into our neighborhoods. I hope that by now you understand whatever street you live on, that's your mission field. Wherever you work, that's your mission field. We are the church, whether we're here together in one room or not. So what we want is Sunday to be that time of that we are re-energized, we study the word, we worship God, we point the world to God, and then we go out and do the same thing wherever we go. So we want that mindset to continue once we do get back together. Now, if things change and we're able, the restrictions are lessened even more, then we can come back together sooner, but we didn't want to push it further out. So that's kind of what we've targeted. Again, it's a target date. Things could change to June the 28th when we can all be back together and be the church that... that God has designed us to be, loving on each other, taking care of one another. But I just got to tell you, in the meantime, you guys are doing great. 
you continue to give, you continue to serve, you continue to care for one another. I mean, we're doing church every day the way God intended, uh, but we do look forward to getting back together. So that's kind of the focus this morning. I just want to talk to you this morning about God and about gods and maybe some of the gods that we worship. Because honestly, even as a Christian, even though we say it's not true, we can worship a building. You know, we can have that mindset that church only happens here at 317 uh, West Ellison, right? We can have that mindset that this is church and there's an, I have a work compartment and a family compartment and an entertainment and a sports compartment. But the reality is we're Christians in all those areas. The church, we're the church in all those areas. I believe it's even possible as a Christian to worship worship that our focus is more on what I get out of it or what I feel about it when I come to worship or those warm fuzzies that I want to leave feeling better than I did coming in to where that becomes our goal. Rather than glorifying God, it's really to glorify ourselves. And so there are these good things that we have in life that can actually become a God in our life. And that's where we're going to look at this morning as we continue in the book of Joshua. We've been looking at the first part of the book. Now we're jumping all the way to the end to Joshua's farewell speech to the people of Israel. He was the successor of Moses. He led the people into the promised land. All throughout Joshua, they were conquering different cities and advancing in the promised land. And so now we see him with his farewell speech. And this is a significant speech, especially in light of where we are with this worldwide pandemic, in light of the gods that we serve. Because one thing that's happened in this pandemic, all of the gods that people serve for the most part, have been stripped away. They've been removed from us, whether it's entertainment or sports or wealth or power or position, whatever God the world might present to us, those things, at least for the last eight weeks or so, have been stripped away from us and causing us to really focus on what is important in our life, what is meaningful. And I was thinking about this, and I went all the way back to the Garden of Eden, back in the Genesis, the beginning of creation, with Adam and Eve and the tree, the fruit, what they weren't supposed to eat from, if you remember that story, Satan came as a serpent and he enticed Eve to disobey God. And then, of course, Adam followed. But the significance there is that it doesn't matter what God we serve, according to Satan. He doesn't care what God we serve as long as it's not the one true God. It may be the God of sports, it may be the God of wealth, it may be the God of popularity, the God of entertainment. It may be a false God, a false religion. He doesn't really care as long as it's not the one true God. Because he knows once we belong to the one true God, we can never be taken away. So that's his focus. Even today, as Christians, and we talk about church and the importance of being together and being the church and serving and loving and worshiping and all that, still we can be clouded in our mind that we add all these other gods to our life. Though we wouldn't say it. Sounds terrible when you say it, but we actually might be living it if we're not careful. So in the fog of this worldwide pandemic, the truth is people are coming to God. People are experiencing the peace of God. And for many, that's alluring. They want to know, why do you have peace in the midst of this chaotic world pandemic? But to some, it's more repulsive. Maybe many more, it's repulsive. How can you believe in a God that would allow this thing to happen? How, would you, how could you believe in a God that allows suffering? Why did God do this? All those questions that come, and they're great, legitimate questions, but we have answers to those questions. This is where Josh, Joshua directs us. So this is his farewell speech in Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. 
He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your, your ancestors' worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This pandemic, one of the things that, that I see coming out of this, it's caused us all to answer the question, who do I really serve? Who or what is truly a God in my life? What am I worshiping? Because the natural tendency as a human, whatever I worship, ultimately I will end up serving. Whatever it may be, the one true God or false gods. And this is a question not for the world. This is a question for the church. Joshua is speaking to God's chosen people here. He's speaking to Christians here. Who do you really serve? I know who you say you serve, but what does your life reflect? Now, a legalistic Christian might have a list of do's and don'ts, and, and a legalistic person's focus more is on not doing the wrong thing. And if you want to be a good Christian, then you have to do these things and follow this guideline. But that's not really what the gospel says. The gospel says that we are to look to God, to see what he is doing, the true essence of salvation is a relationship with the one true God, the creator of the universe. And the question comes up, is he not enough? Is he not worthy of serving? Is he not worthy of praise? And based on our experience as a Christ follower, you know that he is. Based on what the word of God says, based on what we are experiencing in this worldwide pandemic, he is enough. Can you write an amen or write a praise the Lord or say that. Put that in the comments, right? Yes, he is enough. We know this to be true, but that is fleshed out in times of difficulty. Again, when everything's going great, it's easy to say that, but the true test comes when we face a worldwide pandemic. And the proof is, what do you run to? What are you running to right now? Some of you have lost your job. Some of you have been sick. Some of you had the virus. Who do you turn to to rescue you? Who do you look for to save you? Is it your bank account? Is it another relationship? Again, these things are great. These things are gifts of God. They're not intended to become God in our life, but it's easy for us to do that even as Christ followers. Some are asking, is this God's judgment on the world? Is this the end of the world? I don't think so, based on my understanding of scripture, although the Bible is very clear, we're not gonna know that day when it comes. Some are asking, is this the government's way of trying to shut up the church and stop the spread of the gospel? I don't see that happening either. In fact, I kind of see the opposite. But even if it were true, even if the government was trying to stop the church, the Bible's very clear. Not even hell itself can stop the church because we are the church. Hey, they could sell our building, but we're still the church. We could be forbidden to meet together, but we're still the church. Church is still gonna happen. Worship is still going to happen. doesn't matter. What it looks like is the reality of who we are because we belong to Christ. Hey, the book of Revelation is going to happen. It's not a fairy tale. It's reality. Tribulation is going to happen. Some believe we're in it now. Some believe Jesus is going to come back before the church has to go through tribulation. Some believe he's going to come back after the tribulation. Depends on how you interpret the book of Revelation. But the truth is this world is going to be filled with sorrow. It has been forever. That doesn't matter. The real question is, 
faced with difficulties, even if the government came up and said, you have to worship this God and not the one true God, how would you respond? That shows the depth of our faith. That shows who we really are. Again, we can say the right things and look the right way, but the proof is in the pudding. (laughs) How do you respond when everything is taken away from you? Who do you run to? Who do you turn to? Joshua said this to the Israelites because he knew that once he was gone, they were still going to face pagan nations, unbelieving nations. There still is going to be a temptation to worship gods of unbelievers, just like in our world. Whether it's false religions or materialism, there are plenty other false gods out there that we can serve. And so he's calling us to question, what am I truly serving? What has this pandemic revealed to me in my life about what really is most important to me? I think that's a great question to consider. And I know what your mouth is saying. No, I don't serve other gods. But the bigger question is, what does your life say? What message are you relaying to your children, to the world of who you really serve, of what is important to you? Where do you run? So Joshua gives this farewell address. He's about 110 years old when he gives this address. And it's proactive, again, trying to prepare the people. In the first part of the chapter, he reminds the people of how God has been so good to them. And our God is a good God, amen? He is faithful to the very end. He reminds them of how he has kept his covenant all the way back from Abraham. He has kept his promise. He has delivered them into the promised land. God has been faithful even when Israel was unfaithful. Isn't that great about God? He is faithful even when we are not. He has made a covenant with us. He will fulfill his promises and we can bank on that. So Joshua reminds them, and then look at verse 14 again. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors that your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Just straightforward, matter of fact, this is what you have to do. Serve the Lord, throw away fake gods. Serve the Lord, throw away everything else that you've been serving. So the first thing, it's serving God is a personal choice. It is a decision that you have to make. You can't make it for someone else and no one else can make it for you. This past week, our daughter Morgan was here from Oregon. She got some days off from her job and was able to fly down and spend some time with us. And I love, my kids are all in their 20s now, and I love these adult conversations that we get to have about taxes and about jobs, about careers, about future. It's just, it's really cool. It's very rewarding as a parent when Rob and I get to sit down and talk to our kids about these things that that adults think about. And Morgan made a statement to us that just, it just warmed my heart. She said, you know, Dad, several years ago, I realized I had to make my faith my own. I couldn't rely on what you told me. I couldn't just rely because that's what you pointed us towards. I had to embrace it on my own. And that went through some struggle and some battling and some consideration and thought process and and all that struggle she went through. But when she embraced faith as her own, it was a beautiful moment. (laughs) And this is what Joshua was saying. You have to make this decision personally. If you're out there listening and watching this and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today you're going to be confronted with that question. What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do about Jesus now that you're hearing the truth of who he is? There's no neutral zone in this. There's no gray area. We are called to make a decision. So here's the question of the world. Well, how do you know that this is the one true God? How do you know the God of the Bible is the one true God? And obviously it takes faith to believe, but God has made 
given us plenty of evidence of who he is and the reality of who he is through, through the word of God and through our experiences. God is constantly revealing himself to us that we might know and believe and follow him. But that's a great question. How do you know? Aren't all gods the same? Well, no, they're not. If you study all gods and their description, you'll quickly see that the God of the Bible is different than any other God. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. He is all loving. He is creative. He is a father. He is a friend. There's no other God like this. There's no other God that gave his only son to die for us. He's the only one, the one of the Bible. There's also this idea of the word is syncretism. And I experienced this in a major way on a mission trip to Thailand several years ago, shortly after the tsunami hit that killed so many in Thailand. And we were going around and we were sharing Jesus with people. They'd never heard of Jesus. The gospel had not reached the area of Thailand where we were. They'd never heard of Jesus, didn't know anything about the Bible. And so we began to share with them. And many came to Christ. But one of the frustrations was because Buddhism was big there, Mormonism was big there, ancestor worship was big there. And one of the things we kept running into is people would say, yeah, okay, I'll believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to stop believing in these other gods. Well, that's not just in Thailand. That's in America too. Yeah, I'll go to church on Sunday. I'll join a life group. I'll, I'll join your church, but I'm not going to stop serving these other gods, whether it's the God of sports, the God of entertainment, the God of little league, the God of power, the God of position, the God of wealth. Yeah, I'm going I'm to give God this section of time, but I'm going to keep serving these other gods. Now, we've never say that I serve these gods. We would never say, yeah, I have other gods in my life, but that's what our life reflects. That's what this pandemic has exposed. So here's a question you can respond to in the comments. Why did you choose to serve the God of the Bible? What was it that enlightened you? What was it that drew you to the God of the Bible? Put those in the comments so we can rejoice. You're sharing your testimony by doing this. Others may come to faith because of what you have responded to. So a true Christ follower, we, we've settled this question about the one true God, but what about some of the false gods that we do serve? Because again, whatever we worship, whatever we give our time to, whatever we give our devotion to, ultimately, we will serve. And there are plenty of things and plenty of other gods out there. For example, if you worship Little League sports and you believe your kid is going to be a professional athlete one day, you may serve Little League sports and not go to worship on Sunday morning. I know that's, that's rough, <laughs> right? because that's a big God in our world, sports, entertainment. If you worship leisure and relaxation, then you may go to the lake instead of going to life group. If you worship the God of wealth, then you may not give to the church. If you worship the God of popularity, then you're going to be called on at some point to compromise your beliefs. Again, we can say the right thing, but what does your life reflect? And it's not about being legalistic and you have to do this list of things to be a good Christian. But out of relationship, if you truly love God, you're going to want to be and spend time with him. You're going to want to be with his people in worship. You know, I think this pandemic is really challenging a lot of believers who saw church as insignificant. That it's not important to be 
at church together with my faith community. And I hope that some have been convicted by this because it is important. We miss it. I hope that the, the longing you have to be together is so strong that you're making new commitments about being here, being here together, encouraging one another. And all these things in our lives, they're not bad things, but they were never meant to be worshiped. But we are created with a desire to worship. That's what Joshua is saying. You got a choice. You either serve the one true God or you choose another God to serve. But you have to serve. And our actions reveal our true feelings. Our actions reveal that maybe there is something greater than God in our lives. Maybe there is something we put in the place of where God only belongs. And so here's a great question to reveal any false God in our life. What would I struggle giving up if God asked me to give it up? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's wealth. Maybe it's a possession. What would I struggle? Honestly, what would I maybe choose not to give up in my life if God were to ask me to give up? That's just something too far that's too much to ask. Is there anything that fits that category in your life? That's an indicator they may be a God in your life. Now, this pandemic obviously has disoriented people. It's confused people. It's, it's realized, it helped us realize in some ways that many of us, even in the church, have lost our way. And I would say this, if you are overwhelmed with fear and anxiety, that may be an indication that you have put your trust in other things, in false gods. I'm not saying we don't have anxious moments, we don't have moments of fear, and, and we lose our job, it's, it's scary, or these things... But those are moments. It's not overwhelming. It's not a lifestyle. But if our default is fear and anxiety, that could be an indicator that you've chosen another God in your life rather than the one true God. And so Joshua's thought here is you've got to throw that God away. Any false God you have to throw away. You can't have Jesus and. You can't have the one true God and add all these other false gods. It doesn't work that way because you'll end up serving them, not the one true God. You've got to throw them away. And through confession and repentance, we throw those gods away. This pandemic has brought this to our face to say, who do you really serve? And when you indicate there's some things in my life I serve that are not of God, I've got to get rid of those things. Through confession, repentance, and trusting God, he'll remove them from you. But you have to do it. You can't just add Jesus to your other gods. Maybe your allegiance is to your 401k or your position in your company. Those are false gods that have to be removed. Look at verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Again, Joshua is speaking to God's chosen people. And if you are a Christian today, you are God's chosen person. You are a part of the church. God chose to reveal himself to us. God chose to save us. God chose to initiate a love relationship. Right? We are a chosen people, but we're also a choosing people. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. I hope that when this thing is over, we don't rush back to our old idols. 
I hope there are things that we've realized in our past that we do not want to bring into our future. In fact, there's another question for you to respond to. What in your past are you not going to bring into your future because you've gone through this pandemic? What are things that you put hope and trust in in the past that you realize you don't want into the future because they've let you down? Share some of those comments. Encourage us by, by your response. What are some things that maybe were gods in your life in the past, but now because of this time to focus on it, you're, not, you're going to make sure that you've thrown them away and not bring them into the future. So it's a personal choice and it's a prompt choice. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. And that's a great question. Again, as I said, if you're listening to this message, you are confronted with that question. Who are you going to serve? The decision to make that decision, to make that statement is now, today. Don't put it off. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to watch a webinar on it. You don't have to read a book about it. Today is the day you have to choose. Are you going to choose to serve the one true God? Or are you going to continue to serve the false gods? There's no gray area here. There's no neutral. There's no non-decision. If you're hearing this message or a message from another church, you are forced to make a decision today. Today is the day you have to decide. Am I going to trust the God of the Bible? Am I going to continue to serve these other gods? Joshua straight up. He says, if it's undesirable for you to serve the one true God, then choose another God. But if it's undesirable for you, that's crazy. There's enough evidence that God is real, that he is the one true God. But again, the issue is you have to choose. In the immortal words of Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Right? <laughs> Bob Dylan, great song. Great song by Bob Dylan. But you got, you got to serve somebody. There's no, oh, I don't serve anybody. No, yes, you do. <laughs> you either serve Jesus or you serve the world. You either serve God or you serve Satan. There's no middle ground here. Who are you going to serve? Today is the day to decide. Just look at your life now. Who has been the one that's been there for you? Who is the one that's provided peace and joy and resources and provision and presence? It is the one true God. You think Buddha's been providing peace for all those who follow Buddha? You think Allah has provided joy for those who serve Allah? No. They are false gods. There is no evidence that they are providing for those who follow them. There's only one true God, the God of the Bible. Choose today to follow him. You will not regret it. So here's Joshua's, he gives him three, op, three options. You can choose to serve the God of your ancestors. Now I realize some of you did not grow up in Christian homes. You may have grown up in, in homes that served other gods, other religions other than Christianity. But you have a choice. You can't change your ancestors, but you can change your descendants. You can't influence your ancestors maybe, but you can influence the descendants, those who follow after you. Today's the day to choose to serve this one true God, to make faith your own. The second option, they can serve the God of their enemies. And obviously there are plenty of gods in our world, the God of materialism, the God of wealth. There are plenty of other gods to serve, but you've got to choose. Or the third option, they can serve the God of their redemption. This is the right choice. There's only one God who has redeemed us. 
There's only one God who has rescued us. There's only one God that sent his only son to die in our place, to pay our price. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. Jesus is alive today. There's only one God. Check him out. Research. Google him. <laughs> right? You're not going to find one other God that did what our God did, what the God of the Bible did. And then there was a paternal choice. Joshua modeled godliness through his life. His life was outward evidence of his inward belief. He got up early and spent time with the Lord. For 40 years, he developed patience, waiting for the last generation to die off so he could go into the promised land. He taught his children. He lived his life of faith. He demonstrated that he didn't fight battles alone. The one, try, one time he tried to fight a battle without including God, he lost. And he learned his lesson. We don't fight these battles on our own. God is with us. He prayed. He studied the, the ways of God. And he demonstrated this life of righteousness to the Israelites, but also to his family. And parents, I just want to remind you, whether you're a couple or a single parent, the most important ministry you have as a parent is to your children. In fact, we've had opportunity. We're doing church in our homes. We're doing worship in our home. I pray as a parent, you've taken opportunity with your kids being home to disciple them, to spend time, to let them see you being discipled, to let them see you read the word of God. I say this all the time. One of the most powerful things you can do for your children is let them hear you pray their name out loud to the Father. It instills confidence, instills hope in them. They see that you're not just a person of words, you're a person of action. You're living your faith out loud. Again, looking back, there's so many things I wish I had done differently raising my children. So many th things I wish I had done <laughs> that I didn't do in raising my children and discipling in the ways of the Lord. So thankfully I married a great wife <laughs> a great, who's a great mom, but also that the Lord took control where I was weak and again, to hear all of my kids, they're believers, they've been baptized, and to hear them accept faith is a wonderful thing as a parent. Joshua is reminding us that this is our commitment in our household. So here's a question to respond to. How are you leading your family? What are some things you've done over these past few weeks to disciple your children, to lead your family? Share those. We'd, there's a lot of great ideas we'd like to know. We can, we can share those and do some of those things. So in the comment section, write some of the things you've been doing in your home to lead your children, to lead your family in the ways of the Lord. So and here are three ways. Uh, obviously, Joshua is talking about worship here. He's leading people to worship. And the fact that he's talking about the family, that we live with our family well, we love our family well, this is an act of worship. Parents, as you disciple your children, this is an act of worship, a demonstration of a life of righteousness by the way you raise your children, conduct your marriage. And there's three things that I want to focus on, three ways to model worship. First of all is contemplation and meditation. Reflect on God's worth. And these are in the notes. There's some scriptures that you can look up that go with each of these statements. The second is praise, thanksgiving, and singing. Declare God's worth. I hope that you're in your home worshiping. You're not just sitting there watching a screen. But you're singing, you're praying, you're worshiping with us, you're studying the word with us. That, that is your church right now. So let it be your church. Don't be a spectator. The third is obedience, action, and service to display God's worth. So here's the challenge. First of all, the challenge I have is that today you would choose to serve the God of the Bible. 
If you're out there and you have never made that commitment, you've never entered into a covenant relationship with the God of the universe, today you can do that by simply acknowledging that he is who he says he is, that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus died on the cross to rescue us from our sins and three days later, God raised him from the dead. Paul says in Romans, if you believe that and confess that, then you will be rescued, you will be saved. To invite Jesus into your life to be the leader and the forgiver of your life, to admit that you're a sinner and confess your sins before God, ask for his forgiveness and invite him in to take control. The Bible says that you will be saved, you will be rescued, you will become a child of God. The second thing I would challenge you to do is if you are a Christ follower and today you've been convicted that there are some false gods in your life that you have been serving. Don't put those in the comments on social media, but sometime today, write those things out. Have you been guilty of serving the God of materialism or the God of wealth? the God of popularity? Are you guilty of serving the God of relationships? Or maybe you're serving a fake God. To write those out on a piece of paper and then safely set it on fire. You can throw it away if you don't feel comfortable setting it on fire, but I wanna encourage you to light that sucker on fire because all those gods are made of hay, wood and stubble. They will not last. They will not sustain. The Bible says our God is an all-consuming fire. He will consume every other God that people worship. He will consume all the gods that you worship because he is real. Today is your chance. Today is your choice. You have to make a choice now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the one true God and that you out of love have chosen to reveal yourself to us, that we might be made whole, that we might be made complete, that we might discover meaning and purpose in life, that we might become children of God. How amazing is that, Father? That we, as sinful as we are, as messed up as we are, have an opportunity through confession and repentance to belong to you for now and for eternity. And God, I pray that anybody watching this, anybody that will share this, anybody that will watch the reruns of this, who is confronted with that question today, or whenever they see it, that at that moment they would give their life to you. They probably still have questions. There's so many things they really want to know, but. It, It's got to start with a relationship. And God, I pray that millions across the planet, because of people sharing their faith, will come to know you. We pray that just as this pandemic has overwhelmed the world, that revival would overwhelm the world, that the planet would experience a great awakening because your church that is alive and well stood up and did what you called us to do, to share the message of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Then we see people here in Burleson, in Texas, in the US, in every country, in every continent, the churches would be overwhelmed 
with new believers. God, we ask, you're big enough to allow a virus, a microscopic virus to halt the planet. We know that you're big enough to save it. And we ask you to. And we ask you that you use us to share that message with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our family, that everyone would have an opportunity to hear, know, and respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for what you're doing. We look to you, we trust you, we follow you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.